Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Create Invent podcast. I'm uh, Pat Regan. This is my uh, lovely assistant to the regional co-host, uh, Jeremy Cook. And we have one of my oldest friends on the podcast here. This is uh, Tim Moran. He's, uh, he's here to tell us about making guitars. And he's got a really cool project he just worked on. Also, it is July 12th, 2023. But why is he interesting? We should just ask you that, Pat. Well, he's my friend, Jeremy. Oh, you should yeah. always listen to what my friends say. I could fill in the story of how I know you, though, because I had heard of Pat before Pat was even somebody that I knew for like a long time. So we're going back like way to the way back to like the old PC days. When I say old PC days, um, we're talking like I had just got my first 286.12. Isn't this about the amount of time that uh, Marty McFly traveled back when he got in that time machine? Probably about the same amount. Don't don't age me like that. If you want me to be a happy <laughs> guest on this show, great great way to alienate the people that you're talking to is actually say, so. Ironically enough, today is my birthday too. So uh, happy, any happy birthday, happy birthday. You'd know that if I was on social media anywhere. Which really, I just keep my guitar stuff there. I try not to keep like any personal stuff there. But in any event, so. Um, going all the way back to the days, uh, I got a computer because I wanted one, and I always knew I wanted one, and I had no idea how to use it. So my cousin Chris, um, who lived in town at the time, was friends with Pat because they'd gone to school yeah. together. They were the same yeah, age. Yeah, Chris is an old friend of mine. He said, well, you know, listen, there's this guy that you should talk to. He runs a local BBS. I'm like, what's a BBS? And he's like, well, you know, he could probably explain a lot to you, so uh, I'm going to introduce you to him. And uh, he could probably teach you a lot. So, you know, one thing yeah, led just, to another. I just want to interrupt you for a second, just because nobody, just to give a definition. A BBS is what we used to dial into with our computers over a phone line before we had access to the Internet. So what, what does BBS stand for, Pat? It's, what is that? It stands for Bulletin Board System. So, so is that, you know, my understanding of this, basically somebody, you got a phone line, you know, like a plug-in phone line. You set up your computer basically into receive mode so people can just call you, right? So it's like, it's not even like the internet. It's like making a call to somebody, but instead of getting voice, you're getting, you know, text back, basically. Is that, is that, a, is exactly that an accurate right. description? And the, okay. and the software that I would have hosted would have little message boards, email between people that are just on the local that would dial into me. And you start, you, you shared files. It was mostly shareware stuff, you know, like Doom and... Wolfenstein 3D, maybe, and Commander Keen type of games. So you had your own phone line then, or was it something that... Uh... I did. I was very high-end. I was very okay. advanced. Yeah. So the rest of us, we had to fight with mom picking up the phone, and you hear, What is that? I need to call in Jenny. <laughs> mom, I'm on the PBS, all right? I'm on the PBS. I'm on the Dragon's Den. So, so, so Pat, you were you were obviously into computers, yeah, and Tim, you became into computers, but, but now this, what we're trying to... I guess talk about today is we're going to talk about how you build guitars. Were you into guitars back then too? No, no. Guitars were something that I got into. I was always into music. Um, I always liked music, but I got into guitar playing in high school. So I was probably a sophomore in high school and I decided that I want to play guitar. So my parents bought me a guitar and so that was actually my freshman year. And it probably sat in my room before I did anything with it for about a year because I just really had no clue of like what to do with it. It's like, here have a guitar. And it's like, okay, um, no offer of lessons or anything like that. So, uh, you couldn't, just, you couldn't just look up something on YouTube. YouTube didn't <laughs> exist back then, Jeremy. <laughs> We're dating ourselves again here. <laughs> so your younger audience might not appreciate this. Um, one of my buddies came over after school though, the one day, and he brought over a guitar world magazine with guitar tablature in it. And I think the song was uh, green days basket case, which oh, was right. something that was just about my speed. So he taught me how to read tablature and you know basically set me on my way so i would basically teach myself how to play guitar um by just looking through these guitar magazines reading tablature and then just learning more and more songs while i figured out like the thing to do so so now just just to I guess go go over here now tablature is basically like it's like sheet music but instead of having the notes you're actually giving the position of your fingers this is a guitar fretboard right, right. so People that are trained in musical theory would know that this is an E string, this is an A string, this is a D string. They understand what notes are when you press a string at a certain fret, which is what these are right here. And it's basically the way that the string makes contact with the fret 
and then it vibrates below is what creates a note because it's a certain pitch that's resonating through the amount of string that's vibrating. Right. So the guitar tab basically says, okay, um, here's a diagram. It shows for like the first fret or the first string rather, you want to put your finger on the third fret. And then the next note is the second string and put your finger on the first fret. For Green Day, a lot of what Green Day is to make that really cool, chunky rock and roll sound like if I just hit a string here like this, you probably can't hear it because it's not amplified. But it's just it's 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 a note, right? Right. It but looks if, like you're you're pressing down the the third fret on the first string. Yeah. So then, if you want to play a lot of Green Day, most of early Green Day are power chords. So it's a root note wherever that might be, up and down the fretboard, and then it's a fifth, which is right. basically two positions up on the next string. So it gives you that really. Yeah, we won't. We definitely won't hear it, Tim. You won't hear it, but in any event, so for someone that's just learning, that's the simplest way to teach yourself is to teach yourself power chords and to pick some really easy songs. You could sound really good, really quick, Jeremy, and it basically gives you that confidence to want to learn more and more because it excites you. So rather than learning like theory and taking a lot of time to progress through songs you really don't care about. This way, you can jump into a bunch of stuff that sounds really cool while you get better and more proficient at the instrument. Right, for sure. Yeah, that's cool. It's um, yeah. My mom was a pretty good musician, but she was very she was very well trained in it. I think, I think you know, I took up um, started playing bass guitar when I was in high school at some point, and I, I think the tablature always annoyed her a little bit because it was it was like you were imitating the picture. You weren't necessarily doing the music, if that makes any sense. But you play it right. It, it helped you to play. Right, yeah, it helped me play. So I think it's, uh, I think it's good. I think there's like a couple of different approaches for it, and I think that's, you know, that's the way I did it, whether that was right or wrong. I would say that's how uh, probably more musicians than you realize learn that way. You know, not everybody understands music theory. It's good. Don't get me wrong. It's fantastic to know music theory. It's one of the big regrets of my life. I've you know picked up music theory here and there later on, just in my spare time, but. I feel like I would have been so much better at it had I actually had proper instruction when I was much earlier. So you, you played, you learned guitar and did you play in a band in college or high school or anything like that? Yeah, I did. So eventually um, one of my good friends, uh, he had a, several bands. Um, he actually went to school for music theory and uh, he's probably the single most talented musician that I know. He's a bass player. And uh, he was in a band that was looking for a rhythm guitarist. And uh, I auditioned for the band. And, uh, you know, a real long story short, I got in. So it was trial by fire, basically. Um, before I even got to the band practice, band tryout, I had taken every song that they played. And my friend basically gave me the tablature for most of, most of their songs. And I just practiced it for hours and hours and learned it inside and out so that when I got to the practice, um, I, I didn't leave anything to chance. You know, I didn't let there be an opportunity for nerves or I didn't let there be an opportunity for, you know, me to say, like, I really don't know that too well. Um, you know, I really wanted it. So I just I, I went after it like that. And I was lucky enough to get in. Nice. That I feel like I, cool. fooled them. I fooled them into thinking, you know, <laughs> yeah. imposter syndrome. Are you still playing in a band now, or you you no. play by yourself? Okay. No, that was just high school and college. So I mean, everything I do with the guitar now, it just everything got to the point um, that I've been collecting guitars over the years, and I've now got a home office and I've got a wall of guitars over here, and it really just got to the point that if I kept buying guitars new or off of Craigslist, I think my wife probably would have divorced me, you know, because there's just no more. Guitars are not an easy thing to store in a house, right? And, you, and can't, not, you can't get you can't get rid of them. That's not allowed, I don't think. No, you're not allowed. I mean, one of these over here is a 1993 Fender Stratocaster that I got on Craigslist for um, I don't know 250 bucks, maybe 20 years ago, and uh, today it's worth four figures. So, not that I'm interested in getting the value for it because it means a lot to me and it's a special guitar, but. You just can't throw something like that away. I would rather take a guitar, you know, off of Craigslist. And if it's really not great, then turn it into something like this. Right. right? Yeah, that so, looks beautiful. Uh, to kill two birds with one stone, what I did was um, I realized if I kept buying guitars, it would be a real problem. So I 
turned what was every guitarist's just eventual gear itch, they call it, you know, the gear acquisition syndrome. It's almost like for uh, gamers, um, whenever the new uh, RTX um, graphics card comes out, what's it, the 4090 now? You know, it's like yep. that gear acquisition syndrome. It's like, I need that and I need the new camera to be able to. Too. Camera people have it, have the same disease. It's, it's mirrorless, expensive. not mirrorless, full frame. You know, depending on the next lens that comes out, it is expensive, except at least I can't make cameras and lenses at my own house, but I can make <laughs> guitars. Started making guitars probably 12 years ago at this point. Um, so enter YouTube, Jeremy. So go with that exactly back to the point that you had before when YouTube wasn't really a thing when I first started playing the guitar or like back when Pat and I were, you know, when Pat was teaching me how to use a BBS and, you know, the ins and the outs of old 286.12 computers. Um, you know, I just basically went on YouTube and I went on to uh, message forums, actually more message forums than YouTube at the time. So there's one particular message forum that I would go on. It's uh, a website called TDPRI. So for anybody that's out there that's interested in learning about guitar building or DIY guitar repairs or upgrades, TDPRI is probably the most popular telecaster forum on the internet. That's what style guitar this is. This is a tele style guitar because it has a single cutaway. Um, most of the kids these days would know this guitar is like a Matt Bellamy guitar from the band Muse. Um, Manson is a guitar maker. But the Telecaster guitar forums got some amazing sub-message boards for guitar builders, for DIY enthusiasts. And unlike a lot of communities um, that are out there on the interwebs today, they're a really welcoming group of people. You know, they're not going to make fun of you for asking really simple questions. And, you know, they encourage you to post pictures of your screw-ups, which I have one here uh, to show you, but um, because it's, it's, everybody does it. I was going to, I was almost going to ask you how somebody would get started in this, but then I remembered about six years ago at our makerspace, one of the guys picked up a kit for about 150 or 200 bucks that was all the parts to assemble a guitar, an unfinished, you know, it's just all wood, no paint, no, you know, nothing fancy on there. And he put it together, and the, one of our other guys at the Makerspace who can play guitar very well, he just shredded on that thing, like, five minutes after they put it together. It was, we were impressed. It wasn't a great guitar, but, you know, for 200 bucks, you can learn how to put one together and learn how all the parts work, and I thought that was pretty neat. The barrier to entry is really low these days. And I shouldn't say low. It's really accessible. Let's say. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I was, I was going to kind of ask about this later, but um, I think, Pat, you've probably seen that 3D printed Prusacaster, right? The, yeah. the guitar. All right. So that one's based on um, the kit. Basically, they they took the neck and stuff from like, a, it was like a kit that was like 80 something dollars for the whole kit for everything. So like even less than $200, it was like that. And they put on some 3D printed parts and made it, made it look fantastic. So um so yeah, I mean, if you want to get into building at that level, then I think that's that's awesome. I mean, is that so? Did so, Tim? Did you start with kits, or did you start with like a? I mean, did you saw your own boards, or what was your what was your first? Did you, did you fell a tree mark? in the backyard? Yeah, that was awesome, like actually. I was like Brian May from Queen. I found the oldest oak on my English countryside estate, and you know, dragged it back to the manor and carved it out of a single now. It wasn't anything so it was actually is, this is, is that what that guy really did by the way is that like a real real story that's that's a real story yeah that's awesome i, I don't think he lived on an estate but yeah with that axe you could probably do some mean whittling and wood carving with <laughs> something like that um but yeah this is actually the first guitar i ever did which is why i'm showing it so um this is a guitar i bought off craigslist and it was maybe 75 bucks it didn't look anything like this at the time so there was actually somebody who was in a a local um, non-denominational church band. And uh, he was looking to sell just like an old beater guitar that he had to upgrade to uh, some kind of like a brand new like shredder. So he was just trying to make the money. So I met him in the church parking lot and I bought this guitar because what I wanted to do, and again, enter into Pat, um, you know, and others like him just being a big in, uh, inspiration is just in seeing all you know, the stuff, Pat, that in Jeremy, I think it was you at the time too, in your 
um, local makerspace. And you invited me to the Discord community, Pat, way back in the day. I forget what yeah, makerspace that was. And I, I want to say that you started making guitars around the time that I built my arcade cabinet. It was right around then. Yeah. So, in any event, I'm a real big fan of the band Muse. So, what I wanted to do was make a guitar that was very similar to the guitar that the guy from Muse had. Um, the functionality would... It, so, this looks exactly like... Well, not exactly. It looks most of the way there, but it's a standard guitar. But basically, what this has is a touch-sensitive pad down below embedded into mm. the guitar itself. And what this does is it sends a basically it's a MIDI control signal. So MIDI is musical instrument digital interface. Um, think of it as a way to control parameters on mm. different types of guitar effects, right? So like if you're listening to a rock and roll guitarist, um, they might have a certain kind of like a, a distortion pedal that makes it sound really like distorted rock and roll guitar versus like a clean acoustic sounding guitar. What you could potentially do is with something like this, um, configure this so that it controls the parameters so that if you slide your finger up and to the right, it backs off on the amount of distortion that mm. is dialed into that pedal. And then if you roll it down this way, so you can have different effects on the different axes of this uh, controller pad. So this is what the guitar player for music done. He had a custom builder in um, the UK. Uh, Manson Guitar Works, who he eventually partnered with to make production um, Manson guitars like this. Didn't have one at the time. I found out how he made it. Um, he actually had done that by um, buying an old Korg Chaos pad, pulling out the sensor from it, which is this unit. So th this sensor was and embedded in this You still have unit. the rest of it all these years well, you later. You need this because there's a Cat5 cable. So nowadays it's run by MIDI cable, but I wired this sensor in the guitar to a 9-volt battery to a Cat5 cable output that then connects to this Cat5 cable endpoint, which connects back to the original control points in basically consider this like the base unit that would sit on the board at the foot of the guitarist. And then the signal is sent out from these MIDI input and output data channels to control various parameters with guitar pedals, with synthesizers. It's openly that's, that's configurable. Pretty, that's pretty so, awesome. So to make a really long story short, while I, was, I, I knew I wanted to start a project, I was always interested in electronics. Um, I was never formally trained in electronics. Um, you know, Pat and I are both software guys, so um, you know, we've been around it, but I've never had experience with it. And um, so while I was doing the electronics work, I had stripped the original guitar of its um, finish. I treated it, I sanded it back. I then prepared it, and I began to learn to make a lot of mistakes and how to finish a guitar. So eventually I got to the point where I made this um, a black nitrocellulose lacquer that has um, a flake in it that you can't really see. It's hard to see yeah. because it's so dark. You guys, nobody who watches this is going to see it, but in person, that guitar looks absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess, I guess the thing is, I mean, you know, just looking at it on the video, I mean, it looks like a black guitar, but the thing that's, I think the thing that maybe, you know, those that are listening to us, maybe the thing to point out here is that right below where the uh, strings connect on the bottom, Below that is where that MIDI pad or what chaos pad that you're talking about, that's where that connects. And it looks like, I mean, if I'm not wrong about this, it looks like they've got some sort of lights coming up from it. Is that, is that correct? So yeah, not? there's a, there's an Arduino, there's an Arduino behind there. And I got, I think it was a Blink M unit from Adafruit, if I'm not mistaken. So that's all easily controllable. Um, you can either have it driven by the Arduino or you can have it just pre-programmed to go through a sequence that you like. And uh, it's all controlled by nine volt battery and this is a cutoff switch right here so so yeah i mean just externally it looks like basically like a diffuse diffuse thing with some sort of lights coming up for it. and it looks it looks very cool and so you'd put your fingers on that and it it controls the midi or controls your pedal i guess or does it control midi or pedal or either one i, I guess is that it could be it could be anything it could be the pedal it could be midi um, okay but it was my first attempt at electronics and guitar it was my first attempt at making a custom fixture. 
So this was sent off for fab. Um, so this is acrylic plastic. And I forget the website. Um, it was an early, one of the first, like, on-demand um, materials fabrication websites where you can upload a CAD rendering and then have basically a fixture produced. Yeah. Like a Shapeways or somewhere. You did not physically make the body of the car, car. You designed it and had it sent off. Correct, but this was my gateway drug. So, okay. But this guitar, forward. you just... You, I don't want to say... I almost said you just, but that's... You bought that... That was a working guitar, and you stripped off all the... Fin, it was already a guitar, and you modified a guitar. Yeah, okay. correct. It's not built so, from scratch. Is not No. So everything I do nowadays is all built, by, built to scratch, or built from scratch. So, okay. like, for example... Yeah. This is one of the mistakes I've made. This was a very time-consuming and expensive mistake. Yeah, so, and you're holding up uh, basically a body of a guitar that looks like, I mean, it looks nicely finished. It looks looks pretty cool to me, but apparently it's not not what you wanted. And for people so, like me who didn't know this, an electric guitar like this, the body is a big, heavy slab of wood. There's no, it's not like an acoustic guitar where there's a big air chamber in there that reverberates and stuff. It's a big, solid piece so of correct. hardwood. This is, this is Sapelli Mahogany. This is ex this is like what you make a coffee table out of, right? Mm. So if you this is already with I would say probably twenty layers of lacquer on it, and you could see the wood grain in it. It's not sanded because basically I had gone through the process of carving this out, making the guitar, doing all the measurements, all of the centering until I realized. So you don't just put a cheap coat of polyurethane on it, like no. we do with some of our woodworking projects. No, um, well, I've gotten no. to the point where I do use polyurethane, like with this one, but this is 2K automotive polyurethane. That's very expensive. So the difference here, if you could spot the difference between the two of these, and I'm not talking about like color, you'll notice that these routed pickup cavities on the blue guitar are much farther apart than the routed pickup cavities. Oh, they on... sure are. You're not kidding. They're very much different. That's, this is not good. There. This is no bueno. So I'm, I'm, I'm like 90% done with this body. And I'm looking at it one day. I'm like, hmm. Oh, and look at it. I have the back is gold. This was a very expensive metallic gold that I bought from a company that replicates the same type of gold uh, finish that Gibson uses on their gold top guitars. And I'm like, hmm. As Pat would say, you know, I was thinking to myself, self I think I made those pickup cavities too close together. And then sure enough, I um, can't use this now. So this was my one of my very first big mistakes. So, so, so that so that is trash, but you you're still keeping it around, I guess, just because you can't can't bear Baron can't bear to throw it away, is that self defense. Um self -defense good doorstop. <laughs> good doorstop. That's good true. paperweight. Yeah. I just I can't bear to get rid of it. It's a, it's a reminder though. Yeah, are we allowed to? Are we allowed to fill that hole in with another piece of wood and call it a cheap guitar made out of expensive parts? Is yeah. that legal? You know, you could. And I've thought about all of those things over the course of time. So, I mean, I could basically work with um, a pick guard if I wanted to. So, like, mm, see how on yeah. this guitar there's that white um, oh, acrylic yeah. piece that's over the body. You can this hide it. You could hide it. So this is called a pick guard. And pick guards traditionally were meant to cover the finish of the guitar where the pick would potentially come into contact with it to stop it from scratching the guitar, wearing off the finish. But guitarists love um, aged and relict, they're calling it these days, guitars. And plus, if you've got a beautiful piece of like mahogany, you don't necessarily want to hide this if, if right. you don't have to. But oh, for sure. I might have to put a pick guard over it someday if I'm just like in between projects. Fender custom shop so fender is a brand of guitar so like the fender stratocaster leo fender um was one of the original pioneers of the electric guitar way back in the day um and basically the fender custom shop still to this day produces just some amazing um quality instruments that are amazingly and astoundingly expensive um, if you look up, I mean, so some of their finishers, um, and some of their master guitar builders are very active on Instagram. You can look them up, um, after the podcast. I don't, I can't think of the name, their names off the top of my head. I can send Pat the links, but, um, they, for many custom built guitars will go out of their way to permanently and 
um, what's what I'm looking for here, to purposely and, per- and permanently damage the guards, guitars, to make it look like they've been carried by, like, Stevie Ray Vaughan in the smokiest of dive bars for 30 years in the back of a van to give it, like, that old-aged rock and roll look. I was at a store, and they had all this, like, vintage stuff or whatever, and they had this guitar, and I don't remember who had said it was by, but, you know, just somebody somebody I knew, and it looked like just the most trashed guitar, and, like, you know, if this guy used this guitar for so long, how do they have this for sale here? But maybe maybe it was manufactured to look that way. Yeah, and they, you see those videos on the internet of, I think it's Willie Nelson with his guitar that has holes, his acoustic guitar with all the holes in it, and it looks like it's, you know, been right. through the laundry one too many times. It was somebody <laughs> famous and somebody that I was like, I, I didn't check the price, maybe it wasn't even listed, but it's like, why would this be here? If it's actually something that person's used for long enough to make it look so trashed out. Could be purposely. Purposely. So that could be like new, um, new aged stock. New aged stock. Consider it like that. New relics. Relics. Relics is the word I'm looking for here. New relic stock. So, so how many, how many guitars in total have, have you made? I couldn't even count. I've certainly made more guitars than I'm still in possession of because, you know, I, I would run into the same problem again. Um, so I've gone from buying guitars and just learning how to refinish guitars, which is in, uh, an art in and of itself that I give so much credit to the people that are professional that know how to do that well. Pat, when, you know, I'm not sure if you're still going through the journey with the FPV drones and everything that you did with those, but... Yeah, that was a lot you know, of fun. I haven't been keeping up with it lately, but it's, I'll get back to it. Yeah, so it, it's a journey. But in any event, um, I would build guitars and not really have a lot of room for them because there's the rest of the things that we have in our house elsewhere. And my wife doesn't necessarily want guitars decorating the walls everywhere. So um, what I would do is I would build guitars uh, for friends that are having major life events. So, like, one was uh, getting married, um, so I built him a guitar. Or, no, actually, um, yeah, I built him a guitar when he was... No, when did I build him a guitar? So I built him a guitar when he had his first uh, child, um, and I named that one uh, the Maisie Caster after his daughter, Maisie. Um, so it said Maisie on the top. Another friend of mine, um, he, the bass player that was instrumental, no, no pun intended, that sounds really bad, in uh, teaching me how to learn guitar, um, he's a bass player, so I made him a bass, and I gave that to him, um, you know, just as like a thank you, and uh, that was actually for his wedding. And then my wife volunteers with an animal rescue. It's uh, a boxer rescue, so for their annual auction, I made this really big seven-string guitar. So most what you would call standard guitars have six strings, for those of you that, you know, don't necessarily surround yourselves with guitars all day long so this has a seven this was a seven string guitar which is good for like heavier rock and mm. like more melodic like prog rock things like that so i donated that to their um charity um that they auctioned off and made a couple thousand dollars off of um but the really long nice. short of it is i use this as an excuse to just learn something new and to keep busy um you know over the years i bought tools from craigslist so a big floor stand a drill press and a big bandsaw and, you know, all of my big machinery is from Craigslist uh, just because I'm not a professional and this isn't anything by far that I charge money for. Um, so I just would accumulate tools and then learn the skills to make those tools useful in my shop um, as I acquired them. So, so do, you, do you have a CNC or do you use like a manual tools for the most, most part? No CNC. Um, so everything's done with uh, templates. Uh, everything is... So when I say templates, um, I have an original original set of templates that I've created from some kind of like an MDF um, that I bought from Home Depot. So I printed out at a professional print shop um, scale plans for like scale official Telecaster blueprints. So I had those printed out true to size. So then I, um, on the MDF, uh, just rolled out, just glue, and then plastered the plans to uh, that MDF. And then basically cut it out and then hand um, shaped everything around that to make that first template. So now whenever I make bodies like this Telecaster style, 
I'll use that template or a similar template that I've made um, and use a, now it's, I'm using a table router. At first I was using a handheld plunge router, but with a right. pattern bit. So the pattern bit would have the bearing on it so that it would basically follow along on the template and then it would cut out and shape the guitar um, along the line of the template. So the most interesting awesome. thing that I'm hearing is that if someone wants to get started, they don't need expensive equipment. They need a $150 router and and some my, some time. My first router was from Craigslist. It wasn't even... My, nice. my first router was from Craigslist until it burned out. My second router was from Harbor Freight. It was a $50 <laughs> plunge router, and I used that until it burned out. And when I say it burned out, it didn't burn right out. Like I, I had that for like three years. And uh, my third router which is the one I'm on now. And then I also have a router table now. Um, I, sp I spent a little bit more money on it just because I know right. what I like and what I don't like. And I, and I guess it's to the point now that I can justify spending a little more money on the hobby now because I know I'm sticking with it after 12 years. You know, back in the day when I was first starting, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to continue to do this, you know, or if this is just like a fad and this stuff's oh, just going to sure. sit unused in my garage. You know, I didn't want to waste a bunch of money on stuff that was basically just a passing interest. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, you know, what you've done. I guess, um, obviously, you made some awesome guitars, but there's one there's one that we'd really like to talk about. And I heard you made one, um, a Back to the Future themed guitar, and, and you actually got to meet a bunch of the people from the cast from that movie. Yeah, don't tell us too much yet, because we're going to go to a coffee break and come back. Right. I, I do want to tease everyone before the coffee break. When Tim told me about this guitar and he sent me the pictures, the first thing I did was go over to Google for Back to the Future guitars. And his is so much nicer than... I mean, there were three or four other guitars, Back to the Future-themed guitars on Google. And none of them were as authentic and awesome as Tim's. It's impressive. Fair enough. Well, we'll be, uh, we'll be right back. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the coffee break. Welcome to the coffee break. Yeah, we're, we're uh, we've been talking to uh, to Tim for a while. By the time you've you've watched this, at least, and uh, you know, the coffee break. It's where we give a shout out to our top five ish patrons. I said that correctly this time. Um, you know, people that support us. You know, monetarily on the show, which is which is awesome. First of all, we got Carl, Michael Sizer, Raptor, creatively spelled as always, Stuart Morrow, Brian Moses, and Positive Waves. Thank you so much for your support. It makes it, uh, you know, we're happy to have it. And, uh, you know, we love doing this and we love, I guess we like money too, right? So, so that's... A, it's how we know we're doing a good job, Jeremy. Yeah, that's right. It's like a... But we also know we're doing a good job if you hit like buttons and subscribe buttons and you leave comments and click all the buttons that makes the algorithms like us. All that stuff. We love it. So, uh, so yeah. So, thanks. And if you want to become a patron... Jeremy, you could go to patreon.com slash create invent, all one word. Very good. And what was that again? You Pat? don't have to. What was that again? It's uh, patreon.com slash create invent. Okay, very all good. One word. Very good. Maybe I'll remember that at some point. So thank you, Pat. I hope so. Um, yeah, so thank you. like, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera, and patronize us if you like. And we'll I would like to be patronized. And we should get back to our show, I think. Indeed. All right, well, uh, Pat, you want to take us back? You're going to take care of that. Jeremy, I've done a bad job. Well, we can say we're coming back. We're coming back from the coffee break, everybody, but I did a bad job. I made a latte before recording, and I put it in my thermos here. I haven't touched it until now. Hmm. Well, that's okay. Are you uh, using any Julie's in that thermos? I am. There's two in here. There are two in here. This is fantastic. This is my free tail scale thermos from Fellow, but it's the best coffee thermos I've ever had. I mostly only use it for podcasts, but it's fantastic. What is a free tail scale thermos? Ta well, tail scale is a company that makes a VPN product, a mesh oh. VPN product, but they like me. So they sent me one of their, I think they sent me their new employee box that they send to all their new remote employees and had socks in it and a, a note by a moleskin notebook and all kinds like of goodies, that. but this is the thing. This is what I'm excited about. You didn't unexpectedly 
agree to work for them, did you? Like, no, are you a no, full-time no. employee they've, without realizing they've, it? They've been friendly to my blog. It's kind of a mutual arrangement, I guess. I don't know. Oh, and by the way, Tim, I should just say I'm not a I'm not the DIY Nas guy. That's that's Brian. He's not. Just, just, that's Brian. That's okay. That's okay. I'm not <laughs> I'm, I'm just I just don't want to take credit. This is what happens. You are in in Tim's head, you are two different people. You know, well, it's what happens when you don't meet people. In that's real what life. happens when, yeah. When you just meet most people over Discord and then occasionally in other social channels, it's it's crazy. But it goes back to like the old BBS days, right, Pat? Something Jeremy and I should have talked about in the coffee break, because I've said we need to talk about this more, and Tim is bringing this up, so it's a good time. You all, listening and watching, should come join our Discord server. You can yeah. go to butterwhat.com slash Discord, and you can text chat with uh, me and Jeremy, and Tim is there sometimes. That's a good point. And whether you know who I am, you know, I'm Jeremy, and, and uh, yeah. you know, Brian's and the another DIY guy. Nasca is there Every That's day. the DIY Nas guy. I'm, I'm not that guy, but I make lots of other stuff. Um, but what we really want to talk about, Tim, today is your DI, is your Back to the Future guitar. This is fantastic, I believe. So uh, so why don't you tell us about it? Tell us about your experience. We just want to hear all about it. Yeah, so Back to the Future guitar, is it's it's been a journey. Um, what made you decide that a Back to the Future guitar was the guitar to make? So How did you get there? I, I'm, I'm not sure if you mentioned it before, or I think you might have mentioned it before the break, Pat. Um, I think I saw like one or two other Back to the Future guitars that were um, like out and about floating throughout the, the interwebs. And I thought to myself, you know, that would be a really cool project to learn some different skills. And so I, I'll make normal guitars. So like this blue guitar that I'm making... This is probably about 75% of the way done. This is just going to be a standard guitar, no bells and whistles, so to speak. Um, this is for a friend of mine that I used to work with. Um, I made a wager with him, and uh, it was a wager that he won. So the wager was I build him a guitar. So uh, in any event, to make a long story short, um, a lot of the guitars I build are just normal, straightforward with no electronics. But I'd say... Uh, I always have one project guitar going that's an extension of not only what can you do with a guitar. So, Jeremy, you mentioned earlier, I think, the, um, the 3D printed guitar. Um, you know, what some folks have done out there with uh, yeah, the, 3D the printing. Yeah, the Prusacaster you're talking about? The Prusacaster, yeah. There's some fantastic 3D printed guitars that I've seen out there. Um, you know, really innovative. And uh, I can't say that I'm anywhere along those, close to along those lines, but... I always want to be doing something cool with a guitar that pushes the boundaries of what a guitar could be. So it started all the way back with my first guitar, the, the Matt Bellamy-esque um, chaos pad guitar. So then I saw some examples of the Back to the Future guitar and I thought, okay, I can learn how to uh, make a custom light fixture uh, with, um, you know, when I'm making a flux capacitor, I can learn how to work with, uh, you know, multi-segment displays and um you know get better at my arduino programming skills to be able to control everything that's going on and then i can work on my 3d cad skills um to make some really cool custom fixtures that would make it look like um those actual pieces were part of the guitar and i can work on some distressing jeremy like we were talking about making the guitar look like it was possibly from the 1980s and not well taken care of so all of those things led me on a two-and-a-half-year journey of iteration after iteration after iteration of what ultimately turned into the Back to the Future guitar. That wow, looks awesome. Now, you know, like, like... A lot of people are here... only listening, so we okay, should probably so... do a good description here. It looks like that is a stainless steel shell on that guitar, just like a DeLorean. It's made right. to look like that. So basically what I've done is um, I've made the guitar body and I painted it with the stainless steel-esque um, paint and then covered it over with, uh, this is actually a urethane lacquer, Jeremy, just because you're asking. No, I'm sorry. This is a nitrocellulose lacquer. Excuse me. And um, the fixtures that you're seeing, so there's the flux capacitor that was made with, um, so there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10 independent uh, LED lights um, 
So, yeah, just 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 looking at that, it looks like it's uh, kind of like a Y, and you've got a bunch of bunch of dots that are just kind of coming in towards the middle where they intersect with each other. So that's, that's you know, I guess if you haven't seen the movie, that's what a flux capacitor looks like, and uh, how they actually work, uh, I think nobody knows. No. So I don't know how it looks capacitor. in person, but on the pictures, your flux capacitor looks more authentic than any of the other Back to the Future well, guitars I could find. I cut halogen light bulbs glass halogen light bulbs on my bandsaw and how many did I basically, you break i'm gonna plead the fifth on that one because it's probably <laughs> not environmentally safe above my house right now from all of the uh, noble gases that i've released into the atmosphere but um i finally got enough material that i can make uh three separate arms of the flux capacitor uh using hot glue using rubber from actual spark plug um, connectors that I got from the auto store. The black um, insert is 3D printed on my Ender 3 um, underneath. And then all of the fixtures that are around the flux capacitor and the date display, um, I'd gone through iteration after iteration after iteration in Shaper 3D on my iPad. Um, the reason I use that is because it's easier for me to use, uh, like one of those magic pencils mm-hmm. and just draw what I'm trying to like, um, you know, make, and then I can scale it and then I can print it very quickly and rapidly prototype it on my 3d printer and basically get everything to size and to scale. Uh, not so much difficulty for the flux capacitor, but mostly for the independent sections for the multi-segment display for the date readout. Um, and then once everything is to scale and printing properly and everything fits, then I sent the final design files off to, I think the service I used was Zometry, X-O-M-E-T-R-Y. Mm. I've heard of And just, just to point out here, this, this date display, it's got a um, basically a segment, seven segment thing, kind of like an old clock, you know, and then it's got one set of digits in red and one set of digits in green. So what are what are the red supposed to represent, and what are the green supposed to represent? This one shows you where you are. This one shows you where you're going. This one shows you where you were. That's what Doc okay. Brown yeah. told me. So the top is the present time, and the bottom is the um, destination time. So okay. The top is October fifteenth, nineteen eighty five, and the bottom is November fifteenth, uh, nineteen fifty five. But okay. the challenge here was getting. Um, it wasn't just standard. Um, seven-segment displays. I think this might be nine-segment displays, if I'm not mistaken. You can see those little angled um, display segments in the middle. Yeah. For oh, the right. N and the V, there. the N and the V. Um, those were extra difficult to source because most of what you'll find are meant to be just um, numeric readout. This is alphanumeric readout. Uh, so I have to say that this, these displays i finally found at adafruit so i was going through digikey for a while and with digikey you can source things from like all over the place um but eventually adafruit getting ended up getting like what would work for me in stock and they're just a fantastic supplier and i have no relationship to them so if i keep mentioning them it's just because i use them all the time and that's fine and you work we're okay with people plugging stuff too so you know um well, that, that, that's very interesting. Now, you know, after all the doing all this, putting all this work in, buying the tools and stuff, now you mentioned something about how this was like a compromise, like, well, I need to stop buying so many. Do you think uh, at the end of the day, do you think you've saved any money building no. it yourself? No, it's so much more <laughs> money to build a guitar than it is to buy one. <laughs> so at the end of the day, I look at these things and everybody asks me, um, you know, can you build guitars and sell those and make money off them. And I said to that person or people, whenever somebody asks, personally, no, for a number of reasons. I would say one, because then it would stop being, you know, a source of just stress relief on the weekends. Like, in other words, when I go and work on guitars and figure out how to, like, take what was originally, this originally was two full-size Arduinos powering the flux capacitor and then the date display, I eventually got everything to be compressed and all the wiring to be compressed so that it's now driven by a single Arduino Nano, um, which is necessary because the two independent full-size Arduino just couldn't fit in a guitar, right? But, I mean, all that stuff aside, if you take a look at the amount of time that goes into making guitar, um, the cost of materials to actually not only make the body of the guitar and the neck of the guitar, 
but then all of the hardware that goes into it, like the bridge, the pickups, the knobs, the switches, all of that stuff adds up. And then if you take a look at a guitar like this that I'm making for my friend, it looks kind of like a dull finish now. But if when this is all polished, this is going to be what's called Portofino Blue. Um, Portofino Blue is like a powder blue uh, that is uh, like a, a gloss metallic sparkle um, is what this will be. You know, that's many hundreds of dollars, even just to do a guitar like this size. So, you know, they quickly well, can it, get very expensive. You're just talking about the number. Even if we charged your bill to your time at minimum wage, it would be a large dollar figure. Yeah. I mean, I've seen how many coats and coats and coats and coats of finish you have to put on these. Yeah, I mean, so it's not I mean, like it's a long time. Yeah, yeah. How, how long? That. How long do you think the Back to the Future guitar took you to make? Let me just two and look. a half years, Jeremy. Weren't you listening? Oh. What? Okay, that's true. <laughs> no, I'm Thank teasing. You, I'm teasing. You, he really means how many hours? I'm sure. I couldn't even. I couldn't even give you an estimate so Figure, it answer. was at least it was at least a couple hours every weekend or every other weekend um you know there'd be, maybe be a month here and there where it would sit up sit by the wayside while i was doing something else right. but um you know the the people that are i mean there's some really fantastic builders that are out there that are independent guitar makers that are just making exceptionally crafted guitars and they've got names that are reputable like those are the individuals that can charge what a guitar would need to be, you right. know, priced at to make yeah. it a good piece of business. And plus, a lot of them use CNCs too, so a lot of them aren't yeah. doing the hand shaping anymore. So sure. well, I just, just don't have the I space. Nothing wrong with CNCs, in my opinion. No, there's not. But, yeah. I would have one in a second if I had room for one. And I see Pat, you have one now, right? I do. I love my yeah. CNC. I've well, not done anything as big as a guitar on mine. I do mostly carbon fiber cuts, little small parts. But well, let, my let machine's way big enough to do it. Let me ask you this, Tim. One, one other detail about your, your guitar, your Back to the Future guitar. Now, I saw you had a bunch of autographs on there. How, how long did it take you to, to, to uh, learn how to make the signatures and the style of all the actors? Yeah, it's not that. <laughs> so I'm going to show a picture that maybe Pat will put up on the screen for people that aren't looking. But I will do that. I had the impetus to finish it. And ultimately, it was a chance a friend of mine told me about Philadelphia um, Fan Expo this past year, where Christopher Lloyd, Michael J. Fox, and Thomas Wilson, who plays Biff in all of the films, were going to be signing right. autographs at the Philadelphia Fan Expo. So I paid the extra money to get the super big package, and uh, I got a chance to have this guitar autographed by all three of the original cast members from Back to the Future. So... Two and a half years ago, I never had that as a plan. This was just a hobby to figure out how to, you know, expand my skill set. But sure. that gave me the drive to have like a mad frenzied sprint. You know, that gave you a to... deadline, right? Yeah. So sure. that was. What was their reaction? Did they were like, "Oh, that's pretty awesome"? Or yeah, they loved know. it. They loved it. Nice. Um, it was it was really positive. Um, it, not only from from those guys, but from even just the community at the expo itself. Uh, I just got a really, I, I, I got a reaction um, that I didn't expect, and it was really positive, and it was really encouraging. And I think that's a testament, you know, not to the Back to the Future guitar, but just back to the move, to the movie itself, and the community of people right. that still to this day, like myself, um, you know, remember it fondly from when we were growing up. Yeah, it was, it was a good movie. It's, uh, yeah. And now <laughs> you can never play that guitar again. It's too, I can never now play it's this priceless. Guitar. Seriously, oh, that's true. Because I, I had in the back of my mind, I was like, "Well, we should see how it sounds." But I guess, I guess you're not going to do that. I'm never going to play this guitar, Jeremy. <laughs> and everybody says that now, so it's like hanging on my wall. So I have this hanging on the wall, and if you notice, there's no strings on it because I can't put a bridge. So there's a metallic bridge that goes one from here to here from these posts. Um, that's the stop tail piece, and then the actual okay. floating bridge goes here. But it would cover Christopher Lloyd's signature. So. Well all right. Well, let me let me ask you this: If a guitar is never played, is it truly an instrument? If the tree does, if the tree falls in the woods and there's no one there to hear it, it doesn't make a sound. It's one of those paradoxes that only yeah. quantum computers will solve. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's quite the. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's really. Cool. I was so, I was tickled by the DeLorean logo on the oh. headstock. I didn't expect yeah. that. I. I thought that was a nice touch. So I made a custom DeLorean logo, 
and embedded it under the uh, lacquer. So that's basically um, what I did was I found a DeLorean logo, um, cut it out in Photoshop, and uh, please, DeLorean, don't sue me for this. Um, you know, just uh, printed it out on um, peeling, or it's um, water slide decal paper, and then it's a water slide sticker that's transparent, and then I just layer lacquer over it. Well, I guess DeLorean doesn't doesn't employ that many lawyers these days. I would have to imagine. So, oh, but they are no, making cars, right? They, are really, they still are they, really cool they started cars, yeah. they started reassembling. They started using the VIN numbers from the '80s to make really? new cars or something weird. Some weird technicality. I don't understand. I mean, I don't even know who the company is. I mean, DeLorean was bought and sold and bought and sold. Mm. Like the name I, for sure. I would. Must have, I would love to get an AMX. I think those are pretty sweet cars. I don't know what an, an AMX, AMX is. Like a... There was one in uh, that Better Call Saul show. Anyway, I think it's. I think it was like a four-wheel drive like sports car. It was. Yeah. Oh, it's an AMC it pretty, AMX. I think they're pretty uh, pretty obscure, but I always thought they were kind of neat. Oh yeah. Um, well, I'm a fan of four-wheel drive sports cars, Jeremy. Yeah, you had a W. No, you didn't have a WRX. Did no, you? I had the other one. I had the. The Mitsubishi Eagle Eclipse or Eagle Talon. Yeah, mine was an Eagle Talon. I guess it was ahead of its time because I don't think a lot of people bought those cars. No, they turned, but well, the, yeah. all the AMC cars were sort of popular in uh, mine and Tim's uh, part of the woods because it was nice to have four-wheel drive in the winter. Yeah, Even if it wasn't sure. real. Like, you weren't getting, you weren't climbing a mountain with that thing, but you would dig your way out of snow. Just not right. with the, You probably didn't want the sports car for that, but they had a little hatchback that was semi-popular. I mean, as popular yeah. as a car like that could be. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I uh, felt like I might need some, some four-wheel drive. Uh, last weekend, I went, I, I drove across some, uh, they call it sugar, like sugar sand, I guess, in, in central Florida. And anyway, my uh, my minivan, because, you know, that's what I have now, I, I could just feel the tires kind of start to, like, sink in just a little bit. I was like, oh, this is going to be bad if... Ooh. If I end up getting this one stuck, <laughs> but not good. Um, but yeah, so uh, okay, so that's that's that. You got any uh, new guitars that you're you're working on right now? Is anything just any big projects? Yeah, well, he just sprinted one. through. It, what we haven't said is that you just got that guitar signed like less than a month ago. It feels like it is. So I'm looking at the calendar now. So that was toward the end of. Middle of middle of June ish. I forget. I'm not good with dates. So yeah, it's, we'll it's call it a month ago. Yeah, it's Four about a month ago at this point. Oh. So I'm just reassessing now to figure out. I've, I've got multiple ideas of things, but I think they're all just random and nothing's really going to come together. It's going to take. I don't know. I'm going to take my time figuring it out. You know, I've got other just standard guitars that have been taking the back burner. So I think just for the next few weeks, I'm just. Well, I have to finish this guitar for my friend. And um, then there are a couple of others uh, that I have meant to get to that are basically done in terms of the woodwork. I just need to put the finish on them. So right. that's usually a pretty time-consuming process because you need to spray the lacquer. Um, if it's nitrocellulose lacquer, then it needs to cure for at least three to four months before you can do anything to it. Um, because, mm. you know, just the, the volatile organics that are in the lacquer need to gas off. Um, but, you know, you know, nitrocellulose lacquer is what purists will use it's what all of like the most expensive gibson custom guitars and fender guitars come with because it's not a quick process to work with like urethane um this blue guitar is urethane so i'm this is only the second urethane guitar i've made so i'm experimenting with it but i mean there's some really cool finishes you can get when you go to like a paint store that specializes in auto body paint so they have books that are like you know, I'm saying like this thick, but people that are listening can't see what I'm doing with my hands. So like, like, so like eight inches thick or so. Yeah, think of like, I would say phone books, but they might not even know what phone books are these days. So yeah. that's you know, that's a thick inches. phone book you're showing too. That's a thick book, thick. Uh, that's the yellow catalog. Yeah. Do people know what catalogs are anymore? I don't know. No, I don't know. Sears doesn't send them out anymore. That's a book. Do people do people know what books are? Do people have books. Yeah. For, I, I will. I will say though, I I much prefer to read a book on my on my uh, iPad, iPad than like like a physical book. It's just such a such a better experience. 
when I first moved to Texas, I packed a suitcase with my technical books, you know, my programming books and sysadmin books, and they put a sticker on my bag that said heavy, and they charged me more for it. And it was heavy. It was just a suit. I don't ever want to move books ever again. I give them to give me ebooks. Give me lots of ebooks, and I could carry them all in my pocket. Yeah, no, they're they're pretty great. I mean, I guess I guess the only thing that like you kind of like wonder it's like, well, you know, if you get an ebook, is it going to be the same thing in twenty years? You know, when people say, oh, maybe I'll, maybe we'll revise this a little bit. I mean, that's getting a little maybe. I don't even want to say paranoid, but just you know, for various reasons, it's like, well, that guy made a typo, but now he didn't make a typo. So what's? Yeah, but I, sometimes I you get the advantage that now you get the updated copy of the technical book that. That is, is now that up is to true. date that you would have had to buy. But I have a paradox here, Jeremy and Tim, because our house that we bought has these beautiful bookshelves next to the fireplace on both sides that I would love to fill with books. So hopefully I'll just never have to move them again if I start buying books. Maybe, maybe you could get, um, maybe you could have all the books, but you could hollow them out. Like, you know, you could put like a little, you know, how you could, you could hollow out a book and whatever make it look a little safe inside yeah i can't afford well, that many have guns those... jeremy you put guns in a book right well, you don't well, have you to just... put a gun in there you could put a money if you have money and, you know you could put a dollar in each i think you maybe you have that or pennies maybe <laughs> yeah, you could pretend, pretend like it's a 1990s hacker movie and put sim cards in there and oh, uh, sim sim floppy chips discs flop, floppy discs make it look like it's some kind of an illicit dealing i was reading uh was it Johnny Mnemonic, or we you know one of those books. I'm, I'm reading it. It's like from the early '80s, and it's like you know they're talking about oh this guy's got was trying to sell three megabytes of hot RAM. <laughs> I'm like, like well, I guess I could have updated this book, but I guess Johnny not. Mnemonic. That's also that's William Gibson also. William right? Gibson. Yeah. Is. Yeah. Have you guys watched on Amazon The Peripheral? Loved it. I watched part of well, it. I loved it too. Loved what, it. What What happened here? We watched part of it, and then it—you know—they've got to where they release them like week by week, and mm -hmm. so then we stopped. I'm like, well, we'll come back to it, and then I think think my wife was kind of bored with it by that time, and I wasn't. It was just kind of one of those things, like just release the whole thing. You should get to the end. It was—I enjoyed it. I'm I'm excited about the second season now. I I read William Gibson's first book, Neuromancer, and I hated mm -hmm. it. You know, it felt all dated. I did not enjoy it. And but I'm this, friends with you, and you hated Neuromancer? Yeah, I I did not enjoy Yikes. it at all. Can you believe that? Because, but now I'd like to read wow. the... Was the book called The Peripheral also? I don't yes. know what the... But I know it's based on a yeah, book it was called, of his. it was called The Peripheral. Well, now I need to read The Peripheral. A lot of sci-fi, and especially with that being the first cyberpunk book, so much has changed, even between... Like, I read Neuromancer probably 20 years ago, and things mm -hmm. already changed so much that it all felt, you know, weird and dated. The peripheral feels like it makes up for all that. Well, is there anything else? Uh, anything else we should ask you about, Tim? I know we've we've had some good conversation, but maybe. No. Uh, if you want to see more, um, I put things and shiny things on my Instagram. It's uh, T M zero R A N on Instagram. R A N. Okay, let me ask you this: If somebody wanted to get into building guitars, what would be your first? First recommendation. What do you what do you think? So actually, was it you, Pat, or you, Jeremy, that mentioned um, a kit guitar that you can buy that's just unfinished? Um, yeah, both of us. I bet the kit that Jeremy's talking about is the one I was actually talking about, but I just didn't know it. So that's a fantastic way to start um, because you don't have to worry about um, investing in major tools. Um, you can use some basic tools. Uh, you just need to have some basic skills in terms of um, using some maybe handheld power equipment, like uh, just like a, a power drill um, to, to get along with one of those kits. And then in order to finish it, uh, there are websites like Stumac. Uh, Stuart McDonald is the name of the company, but it's stumac.com, S-T-E-W-M-A-C.com. That sells a really accessible line of uh, handheld like rattle can um, mm. guitar finishes. So it's the, the color and it's the lacquer. Well, it's the, the primer, it's the color, it's the lacquer. And, uh, you know, they sell an assortment of sandpaper and just everything a beginner needs um, to, to really get going in the hobby. And again, I have no affiliation with them, but I, I shop there all the time and I think it's an incredibly useful resource. So go to TDPRI, great community, look for a kit and go to Stumac.
That's what if I Jeremy's want. right that they're only eighty bucks for a kit, I wouldn't even be afraid to screw it up and, you know, do a bad job on the finish and order another one and do a better job on the second one. That, well, uh, listen, I mean, like I said before, you're gonna eventually, if you do enough of them, have one of these, you know, basically <laughs> doorstops that yeah. have been very well, extensive and time-consuming to make, um, but it's part of the process and. I had a blog early on that doesn't exist anymore that I would document all of the mistakes when I was first doing the Chaos Pad guitar. So I must have finished this and stripped it twice because I did the finishing incorrectly. I didn't go the route of a Stumac. I basically went complete trying to do professional from the start. So don't be afraid to make mistakes and own them and learn from them. That's the best thing that you can do. It's part of the process and it's fun. Well, we know Tim. I Pat Pat maybe knows this a little bit, but I um, I've been getting into playing uh, the baritone ukulele, which is basically like a four string guitar. Anyway, so I bought I bought one, bought an acoustic electric, and it wasn't it wasn't finished to the to the point that I liked it. it I wasn't expecting it to be great, but it didn't have looked like they'd uh, done the routing after they did the the finishing. So mm-hmm. I uh, I kind of like sanded it down, and then I finished it with uh, with teak oil. Now, yeah. I don't know what you think about that, but that seems like a cheaper way to go if, I don't know, is that, is that, is that a legitimate technique? Or is that yes, a... it is. Yeah, okay. it is. So, teak oil. Uh, there's also something called true oil. So, T-R-U oil, which uh, I think is made for, like, shotgun stocks. So, if you think of, like, old walnut shotgun stocks, it's uh, basically a, a wipe-on finish. So, okay. you wipe on a layer, and then you let it dry, and then you wipe on another layer, and eventually it builds up over a few um, applications to get to the point where you've got yourself, like, a nice, shiny, um, you know, finish that you can buff out with um, 4-0 uh, steel wool or, you know, some fine sandpaper. And it's, hmm. like, I mean, the finish that I use now has a full compressor and an HVLP gravity-fed um, spray gun, like something that you would see in an auto body shop. And it has solvents and it has catalysts and you have to mix ratios and do all kinds of, you know, funky math to get the right ratios going. Hmm. But, you know, you could definitely start with a teak oil. You could start, and I shouldn't even say start because some of the best builders out there make fantastic instruments with teak oil, with true oil. It's it's just a matter of what you like to work with. A lot of fine furniture is just oiled. Yeah, Yeah. no, that's interesting. Yeah, I've been, I've been, uh... You know, it's interesting because I bought it. I mean, it was like, you know, a hundred something dollar guitar or, or ukulele, whatever you want to call it. And, um, you know, after I sent it down and stuff, it was vastly improved, you know, after mm-hmm. I put the oil on that. And yeah, it was fun, fun little, uh, well, fun little. Do you like it? Do you process. like it? Oh, yeah. It's a fun, fun thing to play. But um, that's the important I, thing. If, if you like it, then that's what needs to start. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Build something for yourself and make things for yourself first. And if other people like them, then that's just the added bonus. And that's that's why I do. That's the way that I go about doing what I'm doing. I don't make things for other people. I make things for me because it's just a great hobby and it's a great way to test myself. Unless they're giving birth or getting married. Listen, if I'm giving them a guitar <laughs> and I see imperfections and they want to complain about it, they don't have the right to because, hey, free guitar. Right. If I'm charging the oh, money yeah. for it, then they have the right to uh, complain. So that's another reason. I can I'm tell selling. you from experience that nobody else notices the mistakes that you notice on the things nobody that does. you make. You see them. You, I mean, they stare at you. You can't unsee it. But you only saw it because you made the mistake. You saw it as it happened, and nobody else sees it. Yeah, it's like, that's oh true. shoot, I should have adjusted the layer height on that 3D printer. You know, on the CNC job that I have, I should have maybe used a more, you know, fine bit or whatever. Yeah, or are. you just missed. Know. You missed with a plane or a piece of sandpaper and you got a little scuff that didn't quite come out. Yeah. Or you had to take an angle a little harder because you ruined an edge and by eye, nobody sees it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, right that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, it's awesome you're able to do that for yourself and you think it's, you know, you enjoy what you're doing and that's. I guess that's the point of all, you know, doing something as a hobby. Yeah, and if anybody um, has any questions, feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram. Uh, yeah, know, I, honestly. What was what was your Instagram again, so people can uh, make sure? TM zero R A N. I don't so sell it's anything. Team Moran, but, but with a zero. Okay. Funk, good. Like a hacksaw, Pat. Yeah. It's elite. L E E T L three three T. It's very elite, I'm sure. 
And uh, well, well, Pat, if we wanted to find you, or would you? Would you? Find oh, you, you shouldn't try to find me. You'll you okay. can find me at, on this podcast, and you can find me at patshead.com. But don't you want to and, mention the Discord? Oh, we should mention the Discord again, Jeremy. Yeah, go ahead. I think we mentioned yeah, you can uh, come talk to all three of us in the text chat over on uh, Discord. If you go to butterwhat.com slash Discord, it will forward you right over. You don't. It, they make it real easy to sign in. You don't need to create an account right away. You don't have to. You don't have to be elite hacker to get in there. It's very easy. Just remember, butter and Jeremy's very like friendly. He hunt. answers all kinds of questions. I do answer all kinds of questions. I'm not that I'm not that friendly though. To, let's let's be honest here. <laughs> I'm not that friendly, but I play somebody a little bit friendlier on TV. And in Discord, he plays somebody in slightly Discord, friendlier in Discord, in Discord too. Oh, that so cut that. That wasn't I, what, that wasn't that interesting. Would I funny. get you in trouble? Would I get you in trouble, Jeremy, if I asked the community to test you and see how far you'll go before you stop answering? <laughs> I I think that might get me in trouble. I'm I might. You might see just how, you might see my unfriendly side. All right, I pretend I didn't say that then. <laughs> Jeremy, no, where can know. we find you? So, so yeah, me, you can find me on the Butterwood Podcast, Butterwood, uh, Butterwood Discord deal as well. It's and, true. Uh, you can also find me at jeremyscook.com and I'm on uh, Twitter at jeremyscook. And YouTube, I'm at Jeremy Cook there. But I'm sure if you put in Jeremy S. Cook, I'd probably come up somewhere. So, so yeah, that is me. So, but yeah, uh, well, Tim, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, we really enjoyed yeah, talking to you and, yeah, you know, thank you guys, Pat. Great seeing you, Jeremy. Great meeting you finally virtually face to face. Yeah, this is fantastic. And yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to hit stop here. Nobody has to leave. I have to say that because sometimes one, at least twice I've said I'm going to stop the thing and the, uh, the guest just was gone. But, just... but you should keep your thing up if it's uploading. This is true. But that's mostly for me. Actually, it works. That's what matters.